Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with the CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Today we are joined once again by Corey Dickens. He's a CMRP, Certified Maintenance and Reliability Professional. He is with Brightly. He is a Senior Solutions Consultant. He's been on the show before. We're back again today for another episode of CMMS Radio. And this one, we're just for right now going to say we're winging it because it's Friday. We just thought, hey, you got a few minutes. Let's get together. Let's record another episode. So, Corey, welcome back to CMMS Radio. Greg, I, I appreciate that. It's always good to be back. I think this is the third time now. Uh, but me and you, we have a lot of conversations, right? We're always kind of chiming in on the side. We see a LinkedIn post. We send it to each other. We chat. But this one in particular, I hadn't told you about anything yet. And I know you're still kind of inside cringing a little bit. So this one is winging it. But what it is, is we're going to flip roles. This is your show. But one thing I don't think most of your listeners have gotten a chance yet to do, other than interacting with you on a personal level, mm-hmm. is hear about your experience, your background, your exposure, and why you got into the CMMS game. And I just want this episode to be about you. So I'm going to be your alternate host for this episode. Uh, forgive me for not doing as good of a job as Greg. Obviously, I don't have a radio voice. I have a face for radio, not a voice. Uh, but we're going to roll with this. So, Greg, welcome to your own show. Well, thank you, Corey. I'm really happy to be here. Cool. So let's start with this, Greg. Um, let's go through the origin story. So your show's name is CMMS Radio. What was the first CMMS you ever used? The first CMMS I ever used was, well, I think a little bit about this. You had so, no prep for this. Yeah. The, the, well, and I love no prep because it, it's, it's more organic. It's, it's real. Like we bumped into each other somewhere like, Hey, how'd this all happen? So when it comes to utilization of a CMMS, the first time I was exposed to it was not really a CMMS platform. It was a CMMS process. Because what started with hard copy work orders, fill them out in triplicate, issue them to the team. And this was back when I was in the building maintenance industry, building a startup janitorial company with my longtime partner, my best friend. Uh, That thing started on, oh my God, it's a a great story. Started on $400, turned into a multi-million dollar company. Now, what we were doing is looking at that industry and saying to ourselves and really trying to say to all of our potential clients and the clients that were signing up, how can we be better? And it came down to one simple thing, do what we say we're going to do and just always focus on that. So don't leave things just flowing out in the breeze. We used to say things like, No news is not good news. We want to know what's going on with you as a client. We want to know what's going on with the facility. So we went from these hard copy work orders to getting this accounting system at the company. And I remember when 
when uh, he came in and he said, yeah, I just bought this and check it out. And I was like, what the hell are you doing spending all this money on that? We got other things we could do. So what we were doing was taking a piece of software, using it for managing our job sites from a budgetary perspective. We were using it for bidding. It had this great bidding system. And one night I'm at home and we used to do all these conversations where, you know, business partners, friends, people that work together, you're talking late at night. You know, you give me a call at like 10 o'clock and, hey, what kind of deals are you working on? What do you got coming in? And I'd sit there and just rattle them off, right? Because we didn't have technology. I didn't have anything sitting in front of me. I just was always engaged with what I was working on. And during one of those conversations, I said, hey, his name was Sean. I said, Sean, what do you think if we use this system that we just got to track our work orders? And he said, wow can't believe I didn't think of that. And I said, well, pretend you did. How are we going to do that? Because that'll make me love that system a little bit more. It'll be more integrated into what we do. And now we can start to look back. We don't have to worry if somebody loses a work order, none of that stuff. So we started doing that. Now, we're going to fast forward. We're going to take a big leap forward. He gives me a call one day. And he says, hey, I'm working on this thing. And it's called such and such. It wasn't called Net Facilities at the time. And I don't want to say what it was called because... I loved the name. It was awesome. I knew everything about it going right into it without even talking about it. I knew what it was, why it was, how you're going to utilize it, why he was starting to build this. He was building it for the building maintenance company to manage the processes that we had set up and established. And part of the secret sauce of how that organization was thriving and taking care of their clients had to do with that customer service element where we were always following through, we were always following up. So he looked at a lot of the systems that were out there and he didn't like any of them because they didn't work the way that we worked. They didn't work the way that our clients worked. So he started building it, told me about it. He says, Hey, you want to jump back in and work on this new business? And I said, Hey, let's talk about it. So a funny part of that story is we did all of our negotiations while we were chilling in a swimming pool in Southern California. And I was in, I said, let's get in here. So I jump in, I start seeing it. These are a lot of pool puns, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Good cat. Go right into the deep end, Greg. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. So we get that all worked out. I jump in, I'm looking at the platform, I'm seeing how it works. And I'm like, well, this is a lot more than what you think it is. And we got to figure out how we're going to get to market on this. Now, the beauty of what we were doing is we already had clients that understood our working style and we understood theirs, and they were the initial users. They started saying, hey, can we use this with all of our other clients that maybe we don't, you know, with the vendors, the clients, the job sites that we're not a part of? And we said, why not? That's why Sean said, hey, I got to start this company. Now, I did research for probably... I'd give it three to six months, lots and lots and lots of research, talking to people, reading websites, understanding who, what, why, what are all these other companies and figuring out who and what we were. So the first full-blown CMMS that I ever used was Net Facilities. And over all the years that I worked with it, worked with clients and onboarded them, that's how I got exposed to other CMMS platforms. And that's how I started to really turn the corner and understand not just what we had always done, but what everyone else was doing and how to kind of make that all the same thing, not cookie cutter, but mm -hmm. relatable. Right. 
So that's the that's the answer to your first question. <laughs> there, I can spin out and just start telling you, you all can. kinds of stuff. <laughs> so I want to tie back kind of two pieces. One is the origin story of that was you were figuring out how to make the most of a current system and application in the business, right? It wasn't it wasn't built for that intention. You were just kind of using a workaround, right? Mm-hmm. Now later on, you came back and you built a purpose built tool that probably didn't do the other functions that you originally got that first piece of software for, correct? Well, it's yes and no, because I remember in the early days, we had a couple of features that nobody else had because we were so reliant on those features and how we ran our business and what it did for the clients. It it served both. I'm okay with workarounds as long as they're meaningful and you can get to the data behind them. And as long as you understand the limitations of it, right? So you stay within the within the bounds of the workaround in its sense. Yes, indeed. You 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 absolutely have to, much like when we're dealing with people and helping them figure out if they need a CMMS, why do they why are they getting a CMMS? Do they have the problems that we solve, whether it's a brightly or anything else? What we want to do there is make sure they understand where they are, what they're getting into, and how that's going to contribute to getting to their future state. But first, it always comes back to the problem. On workarounds, for me, what was always critically important was that I showed, explained, re-explained, and then have the clients really get into that same, we'll call it headspace, and make sure that that workaround is going to be, one, effective to get the work done, but two, as you were saying, Make sure they understand, hey, this is going to work, but that data is going to show up here, not here where you thought it would. As long as they know that and they have to document it, they have to document it because if those people that were involved in that leave, then that's going to be some critical knowledge that goes away. And I I heard a podcast you were recently on where the subject came up about how someone might parachute into a role in leadership. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing and putting my own spin on it. And I should have said parachute. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 basically going. Oh, I don't even like that system. I, I I'm a big fan of this system. And then they call and cancel, and they make this deal. They sign up, and everybody's like, "What are you doing?" You know, those are those are similar. Where mm-hmm. knowledge gaps get created when they were already shored up or mostly eliminated. If that makes any sense. Two part on that. One is you talk about. We need to create awareness and double down on awareness on, again, what is a design feature functionality of an application, right? So it has step one, step two, step three, embedded reporting. Where does those reports show up? What's the value? But for workarounds, why is it so important for the client to clearly understand that it is a workaround and the limitations of the workaround? Well, first and foremost, the majority of their users are typically going to expect that they know what they're looking at, how to use it, and they might expect something to be in one place or another based on all their other previous experience. And expectations is what leads to disappointments, which causes what I would refer to as neediness. That's from a psychological perspective, but in real time in our day-to-day jobs, what that's going to also cause is immense frustration and basically a recoil effect. So when you do explain that, not just to your champion, but to team members, 
-hmm. and you also encourage them to document these processes within something you know sometimes it's the it's the g drive or it's the whatever place you store these documents to really kind of showcase how and why you did this that's what's going to prevent those issues down line but the the reason it's so critical is people have a tendency to make a lot of assumptions and it's worse now than ever before due to the technology that we leverage in great ways but it also makes us i like to say languid meaning we know these things, but we're too lazy to access them and actually start to think that way. It's almost like phone numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to remember so many phone numbers, at least in, in my early days. It, I'm terrible at it now because I use the phone. I just look up a name and press send. And yep. that's cool. That's fast. That's scalable, but it comes at a price. And it's the same thing with your CMMS. It's the same thing. You can take CMMS out of it, as a matter of fact. Just drop, drop the C and maybe even the S, maintenance management. How are you doing your maintenance management? You have to be documenting that. You have to be constantly educating and re-educating. You don't have to constantly change. You just have to keep it, I don't know, from a kind of a corporate term that everybody throws around. You got to keep it top of mind. Oh, top of mind. Yeah, cool. Subjective. (laughs) So that's great info. And again, you, you... As a provider, you need to clearly state what is the design fun. You need to understand the why behind a certain feature of your application. Yes. Right. So if there if there are proposed workarounds, we also need to make that clearly communicated. One, so we level set expectations here now in our conversation. But again, what happens if you leave, or what happens if I leave? Right. If you call into support later on, and you're asking, "Hey, uh, I remember them saying something about this, and it's not working how I how I was told it was." Right. Again, we, we have to make sure we document in some form or fashion. Hey, this is a workaround. This is a limitation of the function itself. Um, so we're not, again, creating this disjointed expectation later on as well. It right. comes back to this relationship. We need to be on the same wavelength about as much as we possibly can. And we have to speak the same language. I agree. So I wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier. And I was kind of alluding to it with a what I call a single source of truth for all uh, organization functions, right? Typically it's looked at, referred to as an ERP, right? And ERPs have maintenance functions or maintenance modules within that are labeled as maintenance functions. So for, and again, you don't have to give away your trade secrets. I know you do some consulting on the side, mm-hmm. main, main hustle. When they're evaluating using a maintenance module within a consolidated system or a best in breed solution, what are some of the questions you generally try to ask to help them kind of lead themselves down the path of which way they should be looking? I think the first question goes back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier. I want to figure out in the simplest way, I want to say, well, why are you doing that? And why do you think it's going to work? Where have you, where have you discovered that that's a potential option for you? And I want to I want to hear how much they understand about their own problem, and I want to hear how much they understand about how their existing solution is going to solve that or partially solve that. I will tell you, I can live with partial solutions for clients if it makes sense, and that is the critical component of it. So any questions I ask are going to be around that. For example, one question I might ask a potential client during discovery where I know they're looking at 
an existing platform that they have. It's an ERP or otherwise, and mm -hmm. they are going to utilize its CMMS functions. I want to kind of go down the list of why they're talking to me and looking at my CMMS, and then how does this one get close? Because if it is close enough, quote unquote, good enough, there are a lot of instances where that is the way for that customer to go. That's beneficial to that customer. Now, the real challenge that I'm always balancing, right, is in sales and, and even a little bit as a solution consultant, we're worried about, you know, achieving our goal of bringing on and winning a client. I always want to bring to the front of that, are we solving their problem in a better way than the way they're trying to solve it now? So all my questions are going to be around that. And I don't have anything that's really canned. I prefer a discovery process that's more about we can go anywhere as long as it's within the framework of what you're trying to do. And the question I ask you is not going to be the question that I ask her or her, depending on where they sit in the organization. So hopefully that's kind of like what you were after, but no no like real specific like takeaways where, hey, everybody out there, if you're selling CMMS, there's three questions that you have to be asking. And if you ask those three questions, you're going to win deals all day long. It's not really about that. What mm -hmm. you have to do is stay in that space of curiosity and diagnosing. That's really what it's to, all about. You need to be a problem solver. Mm -hmm. You need to lend an ear and it, you need to like empathetically listen. You don't need to go in with preconceived notions and you'll, you'll notice, right. When certain people are asking questions, they're chiming in real quick towards the end of your statement. Cause they're already anticipating. They already have another question formulated, not scripted, scripted, whatever it may be. They're just, they're trying to anticipate, right. Which means they're not fully listening to what you're saying. They're leading you down a path that they just happen to have this brilliant solution that solves. So to your point to wrap that up, be curious, not judgmental, right? That's a Ted Lasso quote. You have to be curious. If you want to solve an individual's problems, who are you to assume? Let them lay it out there for you. And again, sometimes, and many people have said this, I'm sure Georgia said it, Joe said it, you may not fully understand your own problems. You may be so involved in what the newest problem is or the what you conceive as the highest priority issue right now you don't understand the root cause. So by laying it out there, it's like layers to an onion. You got to keep pulling it back and let them lead themselves into that realization of, oh, that's my problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And only there, only from there can we offer solutions that help. And sometimes we don't have the right solution. Right. To every, every vendor of any product out there, your product is not perfect for everyone. So sometimes it's not the right play for you. And you need to be candid about that. Because again, to the point about expectation setting, if I'm selling you a bad batch that I know it's not going to fit your process, and I know that, but you don't know it yet, you're going to find out sooner rather than later. And that's not good for any of us. That's how people have these bad blood relationships with CMMSs. Oh, we've tried that before. It doesn't work. It's true. So, it, Something interesting about what you're saying there, I, I was just reminded of this idea around when you're engaged with someone and you have a job to do, and let's just, let's just talk about sales, just sales in general. So taking a consultative approach, 
you're definitely out there chasing your number. But if instead of selling, you're helping, that's going to create a better outcome. The problem with that is we're all under pressure. We're running around with our hair on fire to hit that number. And when we get active engagement, a lot of times we're trying to figure out, well, how can I spin this? How can I make this fit? And as I said earlier, I think if you're close enough, there's plenty of people that will argue with me and say, no, 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 that's not good. Good enough is not good enough. And I say, boo, uh, it, it is. You, you have to really pay attention to what the cost is to go for that perfection. And you got to go more along the lines of progress, meeting process, and all those types of things. It is so hard to say no when you have really close to an opportunity. It is, it is very, very difficult because from that side of things, you've gotten what's classified as an MQL, marketing qualified lead, that then somehow becomes a sales qualified lead. And then, and only then, are you going to find out that maybe it shouldn't have made it out of the first gate in the first place. That's the hardest things for organizations to do to wrap their, their kind of heads around it because they're challenged with top line, bottom line revenue. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to just crush everybody. I'm just saying that's the, that's the nature of what we're doing. And I think from a sales perspective, if you're helping and you're solving problems and that's legitimate, then you're on the right path. If it's the other way around, then it's a little bit more, you're hustling down your numbers, you're hitting that number, you're trying to make president's club and all that stuff. And that's all fine and good, but I don't like the idea of overselling and don't get me wrong. I love being profitable. I love making money, but I want it to be win-win. I am, I am insane about the elusive win-win and the pursuit of it. So Greg, we've talked a little bit about your journey into CMMSs, uh, both as a user, an adopter, um, a workaround, and then into developing your own, right? And you said you were, you were a big advocate of, if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it, mm -hmm. right? And we're going to follow up. And you're always chasing that elusive win-win. Now, what does that win-win mean for a solution provider in this space? What I'm talking about when I throw that term or phrase around rather loosely is I'm talking about do business that solves the problem that the client wanted and needed solved in a way that it comes back to you on the delivery side where you have actually accomplished that and then maintain that through proper customer success, I think processes, account management processes, training processes, so that you now can have that client forever. And that's not about stickiness. That is not about being sticky. It's not about penetrating so deep that they're, they're not going to be able to leave you. Of course we want that, but the number one way to do that is to do what you said you were going to do solve their problem and make it, make it something that actually makes their lives and their organization easier, better. And so that they're thriving, that's the elusive win-win. And it's actually very hard to achieve because it costs an organization 
money to deliver at that level. You're going to lose some of your profits, but I'm going to tell you something else. You're going to have clients for a long, long time. Delivering great service, quality, and product, it costs a lot of money but it's one of the best investments you'll make because you're investing in both your people and your clients. And that is what your clients want. It doesn't matter what it is. You brought up a few good points, right? And I want to refer back and I want to get your reaction to a clip of a recent episode you did with Paula Chance. Ah, okay. you, you asked the brilliant question. You know, we have an oversaturated market more so than we've ever seen. Uh, numbers upwards of 400 plus CMMSs in the solution that brand themselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what the criteria to call yourself a CMMS, whatever. If you do, if you add value to customers and you do work order management, you do some kind of asset or location facility tracking, you do some inventories, right? Cool. There's a right solution out there for you, the way you work, right? So don't mm -hmm. be afraid to keep looking. But with that said, Paul said, how a company treats their people and then how they treat their clients, exactly what you said. He said, number one priority for a company should be how they treat their employees. 1.1 should be how they treat their clients. Break yes. that one down. What was going through your head when he said that? First of all, I thought it was like money in the bank. I, I, I really felt like, you know, it was refreshing to hear him say it that way. And you can... You can actually see, feel, and understand the passion behind it and how he really means that. And, you know, we, some of us know the actual history of why he believes that with the things that he's built, some of which is part of Brightly, right? And I think that was the first thing I was thinking is, wow, that is so awesome where you have what I would refer to as, you know, kind of an industry icon in a sense that is saying what you think and feel and believe in the way you've tried to work. So that that's that's really kind of in a nutshell what I was thinking and feeling at the time that he was saying. And I think when he made the distinction between your people as one and your customers as one dot one, they're 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 right there. Mm -hmm. I mean how how can you differentiate other than there's two ways, right? There's 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 two things that make it different. One of those is a resource that drives what you do. The other one is a resource that allows you to have the resource to drive what you do. And what does that remind you of? Everything Elusive win-win. Mm -hmm. That's what I loved about it more than anything. So what you give to the world, you get for the world. And yeah, and you have right. to take the what, risk that you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. So... Now break those two down for how a someone who's evaluating current CMMS, right? Let's say they're they're really close between two companies, two CMMS products in the space. No names, I don't care. How do they look at those companies and then try to differentiate, right? Again, using that same thing of how do they go about what do they say they're gonna do? Are they actually going about it? And then how are they driven? Yes, and this is a question that it goes in a lot of directions. It could get really, really complicated, and I don't know that there's a simple answer to it, but at the same time, the first thing I would suggest to any of those clients is these two vendors, 
you have to you have to double down on the hard questions that you're asking them. You have to ask them questions that you really want to know that you know that they're either going to be wide open and answer it or they're going to bristle up. And I think the most valuable thing that could ever happen in that situation when you're putting them to that final test, if you will, where you're looking them in the eyes and you're asking them these questions that are sensitive about them for you, the ones that bristle up, those are awesome because they might be not getting the deal. If I'm a customer and I want to ask you, Corey, how is it that you guys are really able to deliver on this when it comes to your customer success and training process or processes? You seem to have a lot of clients. Can you explain that a little bit and give me an insider's view on how the department is structured, the frequency, and how this really works? So digging into the process, and like you said, I want to tie this back to the first part of Paul's mention is how the company treats their people. And again, like you said, it's one and 1.1. So they're right there. There's very little delineation between the two. Mm. But why did he say how we treat our people and then clients? Why do you think he put it in that order? I think, so one philosophy I've, I've beaten like a dead horse, so to speak. No offense to dead horses. Uh, <laughs> the... The thing I always said is, hey, we need to take care of you as a client, and we really have to do that because if we don't have you, we don't have a business. That's true. But to answer your question, and what Paul was referring to is your people, your team, has to they all have to be empowered, enabled, encouraged, and allowed to do that, whether it's how you train them, how you retrain them, how you give them flexibility, how you don't give them flexibility, how you pay them, what do you pay them, what are the benefits, and how do we move together as a team, right? Think about football, just as a super simple analogy. The offense and the defense and the coaches and the assistant coaches and all the different support staff and maybe the team doctor and all that, they have a lot of strong connection. There is not a lot going on when it comes to this idea of the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. There's very little of that in what I see and what I think, right? It's not like I've run a football organization or anything like that. But when we talk about teams, the teams, your people have to know why we do what we do. How do we do what we do? What do I do in situations where nothing adds up? Where can I go? Where can I get the real support so that I can deliver for my client? You have to have that in place to be a great company for those clients who are great clients because they pay their bills and everybody's back to the elusive win-win, right? That's win -win. what we're all doing. And there's always going to be problems and there's always going to be the occasional situation and people make mistakes. It happens. Vendors make mistakes and clients should give them an opportunity to fix those mistakes, but vendors need to actually be serious about fixing those mistakes. And that's going to come down to a combination of things, but it always will come down to people, 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 people. So what you're saying is whether you're a manufacturer, whether you're a school district, whether you're a CMMS provider, if you take care of your people and you trust your people, your people will add value for whatever 
community or client base that you service. If you take care of your people, your people would take care of you. Yes. Yes. And it's a, that's another one that's been, you know, thrown around for decades upon decades, but it really does boil down to that. I mean, think about the, in recent months, for sure, I'd say the last three to six months, I've heard a lot. I've consumed a lot. I've read a lot about this idea that, you know, technology versus people or what's the problem with our technology failures when we move forward on initiatives and they don't really go anywhere. They start to cool and we never turn the corner. Well, technology is awesome. Technology does a lot of great stuff and we could talk about whether it's oversold and all these different things, throw all that out the window. It's only as good as the people that are going to use it. People ask me all the time, Greg, CMMS radio. I mean, can you tell me what the best CMMS platform is out there? And I say, yes. They go, what? There's like 400 plus of them. I said, it's really easy. I can tell you right now. What do you think? What do you think it is? It's the best one for you. That's right. It's the, it's the CMMS platform that your people will use. Because if they won't use it, it's trash. What do they say? Uh, software that becomes shelfware. <laughs> I love that. That's right. A- so it just becomes a line item on next bench, which is why... People may be sour to the idea of a standalone best in breed CMMS and IT may try to consolidate that power and assert themselves and say, no, 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 there's just module here, right? We know you're not going to use it anyways. We might as well pay a fraction of the cost just to turn this on. Yeah. And that's, that's one I dealt with for years and years. And we have to be careful with that, right? Because we have a lot of ways to explain why that's a mistake. You can't go at somebody that way unless you have a certain level of rapport I suppose you could, but I'll leave that to everybody else to make their own decision. I mean, we've all done it. Oh, why would you do that? That's a terrible idea. I mean, you think you're going to stay engaged with that person on this on this deal? It, yeah. It's at high risk right there. But what you can yeah. say is it's interesting how you're looking at that as an option. I'd like to understand a little bit more about it if you're open to it, because I just want to make sure that that's going to work for you. And if you're serious about that, a lot of times they're going to they're gonna go through that with you. So we've all heard, oh, we're looking at a CMMS and we've got multiple departments that are involved in this initiative and then IT is going to get involved. And it's like, uh-oh, are they going to try to kill this? Because, hey, we've got a ticketing system in our IT management system. And if yeah. that kind of works until it doesn't. Yeah. Because you know, got, a maintenance fu- a maintenance management function can be consolidated to a ticketing system. Well, that's and that's the issue, right? So that is the issue. And I've seen it the exact opposite. I've dealt with so many IT professionals, CIOs, CTOs, and and everybody on that entire team, wherever you look, where they're like, "This is awesome," and we don't have to do anything. And then we start hearing things like, "Can we use that for some of what we do?" And we might say, what are you talking about? Well, we've got all these servers and this hardware and all this, and we've got a system for this, 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 and this. But we love this idea that we can not only see, track, and manage what we have and where we have it, but we've got this functionality on your system where we can do walk and talks and we can snapshot and this and that. So you're going to see both. I think there's um, more work that has to be done on educating, self-educating, and making a case for why we do things the way we do when we look at maintenance management solutions. Well, and it could be an asset, it could be an asset management solution, it could be an ERP, 
but we have to look at that. What's really hurting everyone, I'm glad I just started thinking about this because I want to talk about it. What I think is really hurting everyone, it always has, and I think it always will, is that it's very painful to stop and manage an initiative properly. It's very painful because it's disruptive, and it's necessary, and we all know it. Small or giant companies, that is a disruption because you need dedicated resources in the right amount of time to do an effective assessment. You said it early on today where, you know, in, in RCM best practices, you, you have to spend that time. You can't just willy-nilly do that, right? You can't wing it like we're doing today. And this we can do because we're pulling from a lot of different experiences and knowledge where they're easily accessible because we talk about it all the time and we work with people all the time. So we're in a great situation where we can wing it and it doesn't look like we're winging it because we, we know some of what we're talking about. I'm not saying we know everything, but no, no, no. Um, I'm guilty more of doing self-deprecating humor to myself to let you know, often I do not know everything. I don't have enough gray hair in my head yet, but (laughs) it's a great worse, man. It gets worse. Yeah, I hope not. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, so you're good. You're, you're good, man. It looks like you got a full head of hair. Until I lift the bangs back a little bit. <laughs> so a few things there. One is all that's great insight, right? Number one, talking about the people. We're always tracing, chasing the elusive win-win. We need to be clearly and honest. Um, but then getting into the IT conversation. Now, depending on your industry, and again, I'm very heavy in manufacturing, So off of the CMMS side, more on like automation, there's always this tribal conflict between what they call IT and OT. You have information technology, which is the business and the the internet function, I guess you can consolidate down to. Mm -hmm. And then OT, which is again, kind of encompassing of the automation function. Most people would delineate this between the part of the building that has carpet and AC and the part that's a concrete floor with uh, anti-fatigue mats, right? That's the delineation of your business. Now, we have this conflict often with the CMMS because the CMMS lives on the plant floor. But now I got to go through IT to get approval. But as you mentioned, there's also this misinformation about what the modern tech stack looks like. You have the traditional on-prem, which, yes, we had to go through IT. Why? Because they had to buy more racks and they had to manage it and they had to do all this. We've gone away from that in a lot of essences. But to talk about IT and OT... You brought up two examples, which were go back to a lot of things we talk about. What's the relationship internally and how do we talk, how do we talk to each other? If I only come to you when I need something, when you're a means to an ends, we're not going to, we're not going to get along well. IT is going to come off as defensive in a defensive posture and they're going to protect their infrastructure and the data integrity of the company. They're going to decline your request versus if I have this relationship I can wing it as long as IT knows that I understand some of this stuff. Now, these IT OT conversion lines may be blurring more and more over time as the people on the facility floor start getting more what we call digital literacy, right? They become smarter and know how to speak the technology, right? So now there's a little bit of understanding, okay, they kind of know what they're talking about, right? Like bring me into the conversation. I'll sit in a demo with you. It happens often, right? I'm like, hey, what do you need from an IT perspective? I just need to know your hosting method, your security protocols, your SLA for uptime availability, right? Cool. All that's available on our website. Anything else? No, I'm good. I appreciate it. I'm just going to sit here and watch the demo, right? And as you mentioned, they start looking at it. Hey, can I track this just for like 
you know, what IT assets we have. It's like, I don't need to do any like, uh, like backend team viewer, get in remote access. I don't need to do that. I just need to track how many assets do I have, put them on a schedule. So I remember to go do some like firmware updates, whatever it may be. Right. It's like, yes, but that's a workaround, right? We're built for managing your production assets or your facility, right? That's our maintenance management function. All great points, but you also brought up football. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that. And I'm a big football fan myself. You know this. My favorite college football team is NC State. You may have seen the hat before. And my football coach, Dave Doran, likes to say we need to play complementary football. Offense, defense, special teams, coaches. We all have to be on the same page. And we have to have each other's back. Mm-hmm. One team, one fight. Not this interdepartmental conflict that we often see. Right? IT says no. Finance says no. You got to find a way to get on the safe wavelength. But with that, how did you come to become a Dallas Cowboys football fan? Ooh, nice one. Nice one. Well, common question, you know, and being that it's the Dallas Cowboys, you know, people are pretty kind of divided, you know, on all that. So, by the way, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. If you hadn't seen my first. CMMS radio guest appearance. I am too a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm just younger, so I, I I'm not as diehard. Well, I, I would I would say I, I'm not the most diehard, but I am a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan because I knew about and what the Dallas Cowboys were since the time I knew what a football was. So I think I'm going to go back probably age four or five. Okay, where. I was instantly indoctrinated into who, what, and why they are, how they're America's team, why that was important to my family and previous generations, you know, with all that kind of stuff. So I know a lot more about why I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan now than I did at the time. But what was also interesting is in the era where I was exposed to football, learned about football, and even played football, it was very different than what we see now. Um, it was, there's something really special about, like, in, in my opinion, like, let's say the seventies and in the eighties compared to now. Right. And that's a, that's a long period of time, but what they represent, who they are, what they stand for is all meaningful to me. And I, I think the idea that they're America's team. And I know plenty of people would say, yeah, that's not true anymore. Well, they, they, they are, I mean, they are for me. And that's how I became a Dallas Cowboys fan and been a lot of heartache over the years, but I have to constantly remind myself that that can't be just a Dallas Cowboys thing. That can't just be the fans of the Dallas Cowboys. It's happening to fans of all these other teams. So I try to be a hell of a lot more mindful of that now that I'm older and like, oh, one of my buddies is a Jets fan. It's like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers went down, dude. And your season is probably screwed. I feel bad for him. I got another friend. Uh, he, he's a Pittsburgh fan. And, you know, they got, a, they got a game within reach against a team, you know, that is not supposed to beat them and they end up losing. I feel bad for that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple teams out there, though, that I – I really, I really don't like, but we're not going to name names. No, we're not going to name names. Actually, uh, what matters to me is, are they playing well? And are they trying really, really hard? 
and doing the things because it's really it's really hard to get a team moving in the right direction that way that's really really hard we're seeing it now we see it every season and it's a great example that a lot of people can relate to about how teams function how they don't function where the dysfunction is you're sitting there scratching your head if you're a cowboys fan you're like what is going on we've got talent so deep for the last what 25 28 years and we can't get to an nfc game a championship game let alone the big game so um but hopefully i answered your question you did now that brings up another question and Mm -hmm. it's gonna hopefully lead into something here why do you think the dallas cowboys haven't gone gotten over the hump in a long time there's something that we all have different opinions on and i don't know if we can find true alignment on about the way they gel and don't at the most inopportune times we start to forget about the times that they really come through there's something in there that limits them crossing back into that elite territory and i don't know what it is that's probably the most common thing i I do know what most Dallas Cowboys fans like diehard old school, new school and everybody in between would probably say is the real problem with the Dallas Cowboys. But I was hoping you were going to say it because I think you were going to say Jerry Jones. Well, and then again, there's, there's a guy that if you, you know, back in the day you're watching all the, uh, like they're on hard knocks, a couple of different seasons and you, you start to see things where you're like, Oh man, I mean, that seems all right. What the hell's happening when they play? So I just don't know what the hell it is. And I, I would love anybody that hears this as a Dallas Cowboys fan or a Dallas Cowboys unfan, wherever this ends up, put some comments in what you think it is, but be, be a little bit gentle, you know? Yeah, be gentle. <laughs> we have feelings too. Yeah. Okay. So Sometimes. we've covered a lot of topics. We have. All of which you were probably not expecting, not in the slightest. Mm-mm. So here's the last thing before we get into, I believe, a special announcement. Ah. So I'm going to ask you, Greg, um, what is your why? Nice question. You put me on the spot before and you asked me about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I fumbled my way through it like I was a New York Jet quarterback, uh, Mark Sanchez. So you're on the spot. What's your why? I think the number one thing that matters to me in everything that I do is the the chase and and the opportunity to possibly help somebody in a way that everybody wins as long as we're we're all heading in that direction where we're, we're going to figure out to, how to do something with this discussion debate argument whatever it is I love connecting with people I love talking to people and discovering insights maybe sharing a few of my own, but more so just this connection. It's, it's brilliant to me. So everything I've always done, I've always enjoyed that connecting with people, talking to people, figuring out what their problems are. I think that might be it, but man, I got it. Damn. You got me. You got me good with that one. Connection is a good one. Connection, uh, connection, authenticity, empathy, right? Telling stories, whether we agree or disagree, right? We're going to, we're going to figure out a way to work together. Yeah. We're going to tell a story. We're going to achieve a, a common goal. Now with that said, and on the connection piece, so there's some people in March that you're going to now connect with for the first time. Uh, yeah. What event is that? 
where are you going to be? And what do people need to know about that? First of all, it's going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina. Ooh, I live in, I live near Raleigh. I think so. I'm positive. I'm going to see you there. It's going to be March 11th through the 14th. And it is. I have plans for that too. I think so because it's the brightly illuminate user conference. And what's so cool about it for me is I have always, always wanted to know more about this event and even attend it if there was any way I could possibly attend the event because I know the comprehensive history of Brightly and how this was a thing way, way back. And I just always thought, wow, how great that they have an event for their users. And a lot of people do it, but we we never did it at at the solution that I provided because we, we were running with a lean team and all this kind of stuff. So I'm super excited about it that I was invited to go to Brightly Illuminate. I'm going to be podcasting when I'm there. And there's even some other announcements that are going to be coming later. And I'm super excited about it because I get to talk to all these different CMMS users that use different aspects of your platform, of your various offerings at Brightly. And the fact that Brightly is a Siemens company and there's just, there's going to be so much. I use the terms like firepower, horsepower, when it comes to people that know things, they've done things and they can, they can give good insights. It's just going to be a really, really fun event. I'm excited about it. And the one extra announcement I want to put on this is I have an exclusive offer for any Brightly users that would like to attend this event and use what we call the Brightly Bundle. What is the Brightly Bundle? The Brightly Bundle is where uh, Brightly users can go to the website. When they sign up, they can choose the full package. What that means is once they get themselves there, you know, jump on a plane, jump in the car, take a bus, ride a train. I wouldn't walk depending on how close you are. Maybe you could pull it Mm -hmm. off. It's in downtown, probably not. There's there's ample spots to park your bike or do some line bikes if you really want. But there you go, there you go. Those good old line bikes. I'm reminded of uh, South Park. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 event has this package called the Brightly Bundle. It's 19.95, and it includes not only uh, participation in the conference and everything at the conference, but it also includes your room and everything you need. So. And that's before the CMMS radio exclusive discount. That's right. That's before the CMMS radio exclusive discount. And if somebody wants to actually sign up, they go to the sign up page and use the discount code CMMS radio, smush it all together, all one word, CMMS radio, and you're going to get 15% off. That's very helpful to get people to this event. There's going to be a lot of really cool stuff because I think... There, there are a lot of plans going on in the background that I can't talk about that are pretty cool. And yeah. I just think it's going to be a fun event. It's going to mm-hmm. be really great to talk to all these different users from so many different sectors. And that's what I love to do. This goes back yep. to my why. It's like, well, why would you do that? Get on a plane and go there and do all this. It's fun to connect with people and learn what they're doing and how they're solving their problems. And then there's all the other opportunities to just chop it up and get to know somebody that, I think is one of the funnest things on the planet to do. Yeah. That's the announcement. So, 
that's the announcement. Um, for those that are also going to go to the conference, if I lay it out for you, obviously we have the keynote to start, opening remarks, we have closing remarks, we have a, a, a final event, right? That's pretty famed. If you see pictures of Illuminate, you'll see pretty much all of our team on either side is like a ring of honor, right? And then all of our clients, we celebrate them on that in the end of the Illuminate. We thank them for what they do. We wouldn't be in business without them, right? And then that event is for them. So there's the learning lab where you get one-on-one -on -one account optimizations with our CSC team, like 400 laptops just set up, right? Go sit down, access your account, ask questions. There's also the learning lab portion with demo stations. So solution consultants like myself, um, from every vertical, every product, we're gonna have large 55 inch screen TVs, right? Answer your questions, right? Um, a lot of the sales team will be on there. So the people you have relationships, account executives, account managers, CSMs. Then there's educational sessions. Educational sessions done by ourselves, by the staff on topics related to this, uh, our products or industry topics. There's industry breakout sessions. And then there's also clients presenting their own topics that they want to relay. Lessons learned, best practices, tips and tricks. So I'm excited for you to be there, Greg. I'm going to welcome you back to North Carolina. Um, and then let you connect with all these people, right? And then ask them these tough questions. Right. Yeah. And then let them speak their truth. Right. Just give them a platform to speak from, to share their examples. Um, some of these people have been using Brightly Dude Solutions probably since the dawn of time, right? Since the, oh, yeah. the button was pushed in 1999, they've probably been running with the Brightly product. Some probably just joined last year and we position it as a implementation plus. Right. Finish your implementation, get running with it for four to six months. Right. And then say, you know, I really want to go ask some questions and I don't just want to ask questions to our customer support team. They're always there, but I want to go in person and I want to ask other clients and I want to see people in my industry doing things the way I'm doing show. Hey, what kind of, what is, how'd you set up your report for this type of thing? Right. right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So there's a lot of benefit to be had. I enjoy it because I like having these connections too mm -hmm. with people that use the software, not just talking to the people always, you know, on our side of the table. I like to flip the, flip the script, right? I did it once being on, but being on that side of the table. Now on this one, I like to go back to that side of the table from time to time. So yeah. it's going to be a good event. We got CMM Merce Radio going to be in the house. Going to have a lot of good things going on. 15% oh, yeah. discount. Yep. Save some money. Maybe put that forward to bring a colleague as well, right? Not just one, but bring a team with you, right? The more the merrier. I promise you there's enough room in the Raleigh Convention Center. It is a huge facility. Um, Plus, on top of that, when they do the Brightly Bundle, the uh, the two hotels are on either side of the venue. So mm -hmm. it's super convenient, and I thought that was slick, too. So yeah, I mean, It's all right there, packed into downtown. Yeah. Just right there, walking distance. There's some good spots right there in downtown to hit up as well. It's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Corey. I'm, I'm looking forward to having you there, man. Uh, introducing you to as many people as I can. Right? There's going to be more than a handful, but it'll be good, right? We're going to introduce you, anyone and everyone you want to, you're going to have full access to the customers, right? And those who want to speak, want their voice to be heard. That's the thing I'm most excited about, giving them a voice. Yeah. Right. Me, it's me too, because there's so much to learn. And I love this idea that clients get to meet other clients and learn from them because that, that some really good stuff happens in, in, in that kind of a networking environment. I mean, it's going to mm -hmm. be super exciting. And I think, I think a lot of us out here in the industry overall, 
we love conferences and trade shows. The hardest part about it is that it can be disruptive to what we already do. But if it's meaningful and there's good information and good people to connect to and more things you can learn or things like you said that you could share some of these, some of these clients are going to share how and why they utilize the platform to achieve this, to achieve that, to achieve all kinds of different things. And that, that's what people want to know because that tells them that they're on the right path. So good stuff, man. Cool. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to having you there. I'm out of questions. So this was fun flipping yeah. the roles, uh, yeah. but I'll give you the reins back. Well, I think I think it was great to talk about all these things. I think you did a great job interviewing me and putting me on the spot. You caught me off guard a few times. And I think that's I think I caught always... myself off guard a few times, too. Let's be honest here. That's it. Hey, isn't that how a conversation really goes? There we go. I stick you know? my foot in my mouth more times than I can count. So. Yeah, you just got to ignore the taste. I wash my feet, but yeah, you're not wrong. It's not enough. No, really. I'm, I'm not a Tar Heel by any means, so don't worry. <laughs> this is really fun, man. I think every time we connect, it's a blast. We talk about great stuff, and I'm looking forward to us doing it again. And we will catch you on the next one. Corey Dickens, Brightly. Senior Solutions Consultant. Thank you for being here with me today. And thank you for asking me all of your great questions. I hope that was helpful to somebody. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. Visit cmmsradio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.